I wanted to take just a moment. This also really ties in with the sermon I'm preaching about unity. How do we keep unity is the question I'm asking, but I, I wanted to thank everyone who had any part whatsoever as we've moved into our finishing up our second phase of our 2020 uh, vision as we continue to move forward. Uh, thank you if you had any part whatsoever in the sanctuary restoration. Several have said, please don't make a big to-do of it and don't call out any names, so I'm going to honor that. Uh, just because you were a part of the body of Christ and because you love Jesus, you wanted to do it. And uh, so thank you. I do want to say a special thank you to the staff. Uh, when there's transition and restoration being done, it does take some extra effort on their part. And I wanted you to know that they have gone above and beyond, and I'm grateful for our staff. Thank you to them. But to all of you who had any part whatsoever, whether it was giving $5 or whether it was coming and mopping a floor, uh, thank you. All of that is a part of the unity of the body of Christ. Think about the history, too. You know, we, we really are blessed to have such a beautiful sanctuary and chandelier. Ms. Hazel great uncle, he had a livery stable down on 2nd and uh, Chestnut. I think I'm telling it right that she told me, but uh, Amy Reeves' great-grandfather hand did that chandelier and uh, you know, I, I wonder if he faintly, if at all, knew when he was forging that and cutting that and welding that, that he knew that we would be looking all up at it in 2014. But all of that brings us together as a part of the body of Christ, not only going back that far, but all the way back to Jesus Christ and the church and Paul. So I want to read to you from the book of Ephesians. I would ask that you would take your bulletin, and I want us to share in our vision and mission statement. It's found on the front of the bulletin. Many of you have it memorized. If you don't, there will be a test next week. But I want us to share together in our mission statement again, which brings unity. The people of Gadsden First United Methodist Church, changing lives by sharing Christ, making disciples, serving, and giving hope. I want to read to you from Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Uh, Paul is going to write about unity. Now, almost every letter he wrote, if he didn't use the exact word unity, he certainly talked about it. And so he's going to mention it twice in this text here in Ephesians 4, but I want to encourage you to read the entire chapter, although I'm about to read a good bit of it. But it talks about unity. And how do I get along with all of these knuckleheads that I go to church with? Yes, I just called you all a bunch of knuckleheads, so... Uh... How do we get along with each other? Well, all of our quirks and differences, how do we do that? And so Paul gives some real good instructions and guidance in Ephesians 4. So hear the Word of God from Ephesians 4. I'm going to first read in verses 1 through 6. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. I want you to remember the word walk. You need to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering and bearing with one another in love. Remember the word love, walk, and then love. Endeavoring, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, there is one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, there is one faith. There is one baptism, there is one God and Father of all, who is above all and through you all and in you all. So they, He gives us clarity to where our unity comes from. Then in verse 11 through 16, 
And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and some teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man or a woman, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, there's love again, and there's the word truth. Walk, unity, love, unity, and truth brings unity. Speaking the truth in love that we may grow up into all the things into Him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every joint supplies. Take a breath. There's a comma there. Paul writes some of the longest sentences. Then he says, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Do you do your share? Every part does its share. And it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Then verse 20. But, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and you have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning your former conduct. The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying. You don't need to be lying to each other. Putting away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. And then the last two verses that he ends in this chapter, and again, I encourage you to go home this afternoon and read the whole chapter. But the last two verses in verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. With all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. The Word of God for the people of God. How do we keep unity? Paul reminded many of the churches that he pastored of the godly, godly value of unity. Here in Ephesians 4, he uses the word unity in two different verses. I read them, but I'm going to repeat them. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit... And then the other one, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Ephesians 4 is filled with instructions and guidance as well as cautions and warnings about operating in unity or not operating in unity among the body of Christ. So I want to ask you a very personal question. Do you desire unity within our church? The Spirit of God does, but, but do you? Do you desire unity within our church? Do we desire unity within our own immediate families? We know how important that is to have unity within our own homes. But it's important for the body of Christ to have unity. Do you do your part? Do you desire for there to be unity in our church? Do you pray? And I want to encourage you to pray even this week as you have this on your mind. Holy Spirit, just pour out a spirit of unity upon us because God can work better when there's unity. Are you doing your part to keep the unity of the faith? 
Here from prison, Paul writes, which he wrote many of his letters from prison, somewhere in Rome between 56 and 60 A.D., he begins by encouraging his readers to maintain fellowship in their congregation. He urges his readers to live a life worthy of their standing as followers of Christ. You have a big responsibility. You're to walk with God. He calls for humility. He calls for gentleness and patience and, and forbearance and tolerance. Not tolerance of sin. Jesus never tolerates sin. But tolerance of one another and all of our quirks. Because we've all got them. We have to put up with each other. We have to deal with each other. And we do it with gentleness and patience and tolerance. Paul encourages his readers to strive. Do everything you can in your part to live in unity with one another in the Christian fellowship. And in so doing, maintain the integral union that they, the body of Christ, have with God through the Spirit of Christ. You see, it mentions the Trinity here. The word Trinity is not found in the Bible, but we use it to understand that we serve a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. All are God, but they are perfectly one. So the unity between the Father, the unity between Jesus the Son, and the unity between the Holy Spirit is cited as the basis for our Christian unity. So see, we all look to the same God. Paul shares practical expressions of unity. Here's some of the expressions. He uses oneness. We're to be one in Christ just as the Spirit and Jesus and Father of God are all one. He uses oneness. He uses fellowship. He uses the word love throughout this chapter. He uses the word truth that brothers and sisters in Christ should have toward each other in the church. So unity is intrinsic. It's intrinsic for the brotherhood and the sisterhood. We're all members of one body having the same Lord, the same faith, the same baptism. We may have been baptized in different ways, but it is Jesus Christ who does the baptism of the heart. Even John the Baptist said, I can baptize you with water. But he said, oh, there's one coming after me. I'm not even worthy to stoop down and unloose the strap from his sandal. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. See, only he can do that. But when he does that, it brings us together as one. Paul has made the point that there is an integral unity in Christian fellowship. This is based on the, on the commonality of our faith in the same God. And even if we're here from different denominations, we answer and fall to the same God. Our faith is in Christ and in Him alone. Let me give you an example. I already told Albert I was going to pick on him this morning. Uh, Albert Gibson, Jr., right there. I'm Harvey Beck, Jr., I don't know if you noticed, but I'm a little lighter colored skin than Albert. He's darker skin than me. But I'm making this point that Albert and I have the same father. We have the same Abba. See, that's oneness. That's oneness that we come together. Vicky prayed the other day in our staff. We stood up and we held hands together. And she would prayed this way before one time and and she made this statement. Uh, she said, as she was praying, God, you do not have any grandchildren. You don't have any great-grandchildren. Have you ever thought about that? There are, God never mentions that I've got great-grandchildren or, or great-great-great-grandchildren. He just mentions I've got children. So that Albert and I and Vicky and I, Vicky is my sister in Christ. Sheila's my sister in Christ. Andy is my brother in Christ. He's a little bit younger. I'm old enough to be his dad, but he's my brother in Christ. Even my mom and my dad, 
who were at our Thursday worship the other night. And I looked over and I said, even though this is my mama and this is my dad, my dad calls me brother sometimes. You see, we're brothers in Christ. There's only one faith. There's only one baptism. There's only one Lord. And so Albert and I are brothers in Christ because we believe in the same Savior. And that, that brings unity. That brings oneness with us in heart and in spirit and life. Even though there are many differences among us. So Paul lists the gifts of ministry which make known the Word of God. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Ministries of the Word of God. Prepare and train God's people for service within the church. And in so doing, strengthen the fellowship. Such that the individual members are shaped into the image of Christ. You do know you're supposed to be looking more and more like Jesus. That's His goal. He wants you to be filled with the love of God. He wants you to know the Word of God. Because when we do all that, it brings unity to us. So that we begin to look like Christ. The ministry of the Word of God produces maturity. It produces unity. It produces Christ-centered focus. In all the believers, so even our mission statement, which is biblical, it, it keeps us focused. Paul also introduces the idea of the unity of diversity. The diversity here has to do with the diverse gifts of the Spirit. Paul uses the body as an image. He's done this before. He did it in 1 Corinthians. To restate how mutual ministry serves to make real, make real our oneness in Christ. We all have a lot of different ranges of abilities. But we minister to each other out of the compelling love of Jesus Christ. And thus, all of us get strengthened, we're trained, and we're built up to be disciples of Christ. Let me read to you from the most famous of all the love chapters. And most of you know it comes from 1 Corinthians. And you're going to know this, but just hear it again. Again, we can be diverse in many different things, but love's got to be there. 1 Corinthians 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and if I have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbals. He's not knocking tongues. In fact, he later on in 14 says, I thank God I pray in tongues more than you all. But he's saying you can have any gift. Because he goes on in verse 2 and says, Though I have the gift of prophecy to proclaim the gospel, and I understand all mysteries and have all knowledge, and though I have all faith, that's a lot. So that I could remove mountains, but if I have not love, I am, what does it say? Nothing. I'm nothing. So, boy, does he ever put some weight on love. He goes on and says, And though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, another martyrdom, but if I have not love, it profits me nothing. So love's got to be there. Love must be the central to all that we do. And these abilities... And each other of us can, can be welded together into a gift of ministry. A capacity to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then when we do that, when unity grows, each of us comes to understand our spiritual abilities, shapes them into ministry, and applies them for the building up of the brothers and sisters in Christ. And uses that then to reach people who are lost, who don't even know Jesus. We've got a lot of folks around Gadsden that need to be brothers and sisters in Christ. And unity will help us to accomplish that. We become then Christ to each other and to the world. How important is unity? 
me read something in the Old Testament. You remember the old passage in Proverbs 6 chapter? It says this in verses 16 and 19. These things the Lord hates. And hates a strong word. Especially when God uses it. So it ought to get our attention. That these things the Lord hates. Yes, seven. He mentions seven. Are an abomination to me. Literally make me want to throw up. That's what that Hebrew word means. Repulsive to me. These seven things are an abomination to me. And listen to what he lists. And remind you of Ephesians 4. God says these seven things are an abomination to me. A proud look. A haughty, arrogant, proud look. A lying tongue. Just a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift and running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. Twice lying is mentioned. God doesn't hate liars. He loves us yet while we were still sinners. But He hates that lying because of what it can do. And then the last one. You remember the last one? The last thing that is an abomination to God is one who sows discord among the brethren. God doesn't like that. One who sows discord among the brethren. How do, how do we keep the unity? I want to close and just share with you real briefly three things. I've emphasized them. I'm just going to emphasize them again. How do we keep unity? I ask you to remember the word walk. Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. In the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis 5, it mentions a man by the name of Enoch. He's mentioned again in Hebrews 11 in the hall of faith. You know what it says about Enoch? All it simply says is that Enoch walked with God. The only characteristic that we know about this man is that he walked with God. But that's enough. At the end of your life, if all the preacher could get up and say is, I'll tell you one thing about old brother or so-and-so or sister and -and so-and-so. They walked with God. And everybody said amen and we just all sat down and went home. That would be enough. And so you see, the thing is, we're all walking with the same God, the same Abba, the same Father. Are you walking with God? If you make a decision every day of your life, no matter what I may do today, I'm going to walk with God. It's amazing what it will do for the rest of you, brothers and sisters in Christ, because we're all walking with the same Father. Walk with God. The second thing is just love. We know the great commandment. I've preached it a lot, so has been. You shall worship the Lord your God, O Israel. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said if you could fulfill that, you would fulfill all of the law and all of the prophets if you could just do that. That's what He asks us to do. So how can I keep unity? Love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, strength, mind. Are you doing that? Do you love God with everything about you? He's asking you to do that. And when you do, it will help keep unity. The last thing I ask you to remember was truth. You'll notice in Ephesians 4, Paul mentioned it over and over. When we focus on Him, that is on Jesus Christ who is truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one shall come unto the Father except through Me. But He claimed that He was truth. Jesus said that the truth shall set you free. When you and I read, study, 
and believe His revealed truth through the Word of God, it will establish unity. Because we're all reading the same book. John Wesley said, I'm a man of one book. That's part of our history and our foundation. Are you walking with God? Are you loving God? And do you love the truth? If you do, and if I do that, I'm telling you, it will create a spirit of unity right here so that other brothers and sisters can come to know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank You, God, for Your Word. Lord, I, I know throughout the Bible, but especially here in Ephesians 4, Paul emphasizes how important it is to have unity. God, I do challenge myself and my brothers and sisters. Are we doing our part, as Paul said, to keep the unity of the faith? God, help us to always walk with You, to always love You, and always stay in the truth. Holy Spirit, touch us all. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.